0: 1 Samuel chapter 18, if you have room to stand, I'd like to stand while we read the Word of God. And if you don't, that's fine, you can stay seated. We're going to read a few verses. I'll just read them out loud, you can follow along silently. And uh, can I move this out of the way? Amen. Hallelujah. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him. And behaved himself wisely, and Saul set him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass, as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of all cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul, with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played, and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him, and and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. You ever have someone do this to you? Saul eyed David. I'm watching you. Isn't it amazing? Someone who has a status of king is afraid of losing it. From the old shepherd boy. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you help us. Lord, I need you. And I pray that you'd help me, Lord, as I speak. I pray that your words and your message would come out of my mouth. Lord, I'm just a sinner. Lord, I'm glad that you don't have high standards or I wouldn't be used. Lord, I'm glad that you'll accept any sinner. Lord, anything good that comes out of tonight, it's all because of you. Lord, anything good in my life, it's because you put it there. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me, Lord, as I preach your word. Lord, we do thank you for a little bit more warmer weather. We do thank you for the heaters here. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord. I pray that you would minimize the distractions tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd help me, Lord, as I preach. All these things we ask in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I wasn't told what time to stop, so I'm just going to let you know that. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Of course, I say that jokingly. I usually preach somewhere under a couple hours, so you don't have to worry about it. Hallelujah. I want to speak to you tonight on when your strength is no longer strong. You ever been there? When your strength is no longer strong. You know, I'm 44. And in my head, I'm still about 24. But if I ever try to get out and play, other than golf, we really, we, we mo- mo- mostly, we chase a ball more than we golf. But uh, if I ever try to get out and play basketball or football or anything like that, my body quickly reminds me I'm not 24 anymore. Wow. And the next few days, it reminds me, see, you're not that young anymore. But I'm not necessarily talking about physical strength, although that does, that does apply. I'm really referring to the strength, the unique qualities that God has gifted everyone here, a talent maybe, something that you've developed over the years, something that you have seen God bless, something that God has touched in your life and you've seen success and you've seen God bless certain things and how you do things. And I'm here to tell you tonight, through the word of God, I want to show you through the through the word of God, what to do when your strength is no longer strong. David was known as a giant killer. You know the story. I'm not going to take the time to tell the entire story, but I'll, give you, I'll just go over a brief description of it, of course. His dad sends David to, to the battlefield with some cheeses and some food to check on his brothers, and the brothers are like, what are you doing here? You know how older brothers are, amen? I had two older brothers. And I'm the youngest of five kids. If we got any of the youngest in here? How many of you? Raise your hand if you're the youngest. Amen. You feel my pain there. Amen. And uh, you know what it's like to have big, mean, evil, older brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. I'm going to get back to the word, though. And uh, so David, he, he's, he's just doing what he's told, and his brothers are criticizing him for it. And while he's there, he hears some big, loud-mouthed, Gentile, unsaved, filthy person defiling the, the, the God of the Israel army. One of the things I love about David is he took a personal. Oh, you're not going to do that without me doing something about it. He goes to King Saul, you know the story, he goes to King Saul, King Saul kind of throws some shade on him, so to speak, puts his armor on because Saul was head and shoulders above everybody, wasn't he? Remember that? He gets discouraged, or people try to discourage him from going. David's like, you know, I can't go there. I haven't proved them. I'm going to go with a sling and some stones and Jesus. I'm going to go with the Lord. And you know the rest of the story. He goes out there and he he goes to Goliath in, in the name of the Lord. I personally believe God directed that stone, whether it was through an angel or the Holy Spirit, God directed that stone to land in the only place that would have knocked Goliath out. David goes over there, mounts the the giant, takes his own sword out, and chops his head off. That must have been a gruesome sight. But you know, that wasn't the first time David killed a giant. How many of you, if a bear came in this tent, you'd be like, I'm gone. See ya. Where's David at? Is there a David in here? Oh yeah, from my church, Brother David, there you go, amen. How many of you, if a lion came in here tonight, you'd be like, okay. I don't have to outrun the line. I just got to outrun you. Amen. But not so with David. David said, you're not going to take one of my sheep. Wow. Oh, no, 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 no. David took his job seriously. And any time a predator, a giant, so to speak, would come and try to threaten what he was going to do, he rose up and said, oh, no. Oh, no. Of course, King David, do we have water up here? Amen, we do. Amen. Not King David, shepherd boy David goes to the battlefield and here's this uncircumcised Philistine, this Gentile, this filthy mouth, you know, giant of a man cursing the the, the God of uh, uh, Israel's army. He He couldn't just sit by and watch it. That's 1 Samuel 17. We started in 1 Samuel 18 tonight. If you notice in verse 5, And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul sent him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. So now David becomes a general in verse five, a young man, he's over the the armies here. Look at verse six. And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet who? Think about this. They met the king and said, Saul has slain his thousands. Oh, but David, tens of thousands. Now, I like to sit back and think, man, King Saul, what a jerk. It's all about him. How dare he? But I kind of understand how you would get a little jealous there. Now, I'm not justifying that. I'm just saying the green-eyed monster of jealousy gripped Saul. And now... David went from fighting one giant to now he's got to fight another. And would you happen to believe it's the person who should have been protecting him and now he needed protecting from him. An ally became an adversary. And I'm going to say tonight that the strength that David had to uh, find the courage find the tenacity, find the faith to go and and with God face Goliath, that same strength was not strong enough to fight the next giant. He couldn't fight King Saul the way he fought King David. He went from one giant to the next giant, and that next giant was, according to David, God's anointed. That first giant he fought, David ran too. The next giant David fought, he ran from. And I'll say this there's going to be times in your life and in my life that you'll have success and God's going to bless things and it's going to be amazing and you're going to do some great and mighty things. But there's going to be some times when you do the same thing and it's like, it's going to drop like a lead balloon. And you're going to scratch your head and you think, hmm, I wasn't expecting that. And what you don't know, and you're going to encounter the same thing that David encountered, is that you're going to encounter an ally that does this to you. Saul eyed David from that point forward. I got my eye on you, son. I got my eye on you. David did nothing to warrant this kind of uh, action. David stepped up and honestly did what Saul should have done. David did what Saul was cowering in his tent and afraid to do. And here we have this shepherd boy. We don't know for sure, but around 15, 16 years old. And he and God defeated the giant. So what do you do when your strength is no longer strong? I want to encourage you tonight. I have the heart of a pastor, and I I, I just want to be a blessing to you. And uh, I just got a few points. I'm just going to jump straight into the points here. If you have your Bibles now, turn to Psalms 57. Psalm 57. Psalms 57, look at verse 1. If you look right above the verse, some of your Bibles have it, some, of, some don't. My Bible has this. To the chief musician, Altath Chish. How many have that in your Bible right there? All right, good. Mitch Tam of David, when he fled from Saul in the cave. Verse 1, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee, yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge, until these calamities be overpassed. I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up, Selah. God shall send forth his mercy in truth. Isn't it amazing how David is in the midst of running from Saul, but yet David has time to stop and journal some things or stop and write down a poem. And this is where, uh, this, is, uh, this poem or this, this psalm has been written when he was running from Saul in the cave. And we see here, point number one, what to do when your strength is no longer strong. Number one, realize that this is a test to trust you. Trust. Let me start over again, okay? It is to test your trust in God and His providence. When God takes away the strength that you're used to using, when God takes away the strength, the thing that you're good at, the thing that you've done so well, and God says, ah, not on this one. It's to test your faith in God. Oh, dear friend, tonight... One of the things I've learned in the ministry, I've learned as a Christian, I've learned as a husband, I've learned as a father, I've learned in so many different aspects of life is that God is not afraid to test your faith. And God's not giving you a test because He doesn't know where your faith is. God's going to give you a test because He wants you to know where your faith is. God knows where your faith is. God knows where my faith is. God wants me to know where my faith is. God wants you to know where your faith is. Why? So that we can grow in it. Yeah. David uh, came across this and he, he, he realized that his strength was no longer strong to test his trust in God and his providence. Number two, what to do when your strength is no longer strong? It happens because it is to challenge your conviction, it's to challenge your conviction. Keep your place here in Psalm 57, but go back to 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel 24. We're going to jump back and forth between 1 Samuel and Psalms tonight, Lord willing. 1 Samuel chapter 24. If you've already arrived there, say Amen. All right, look at verse 5, 1 Samuel 24. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave, And went on his way. This is just one out of at least two instances that we know of where David had the opportunity to take vengeance on an enemy that has sworn to kill him. You know, circumstances don't always prove that it's God's will. Sometimes the devil might test you with something. Sometimes the devil might give you a back door out of what God wants you to do. Sometimes the devil might give you a little, show you a little detour off the road, the path of, that God has for you in your life. And I'm going to warn you here, just because you can doesn't mean you should. David here got tempted twice to lift his hand against God's anointed. And I think it's amazing here All he did was cut a little piece off of Saul's skirt or his clothes to show that I had the opportunity. And what did David's heart do? It smote him. He felt so bad. He was convicted because there was a thought. And I'll tell you, sometimes God takes away a a strength in your life To challenge your conviction how convicted really are you about fill in the blank I'm not here to preach to you what your conviction should be I believe the Holy Spirit is strong enough and powerful enough and and mighty enough to touch your heart and maybe some of you tonight might be uh, the Holy Spirit might be touching your heart on an area on, oh, you might be wavering in this area or wavering in that area. You might be uh, waffling on a certain conviction that you've always held and you're starting to wonder, well, maybe, hold on, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Maybe it's from God to test your conviction. Keep your place in 1 Samuel, but go back now to Psalms 59. Psalms 59. Psalms 59. We're going to read the first four verses. How many see that statement where it says, To the chief musician, Al-Tasheth, Mitcham of David, when Saul sent, and they watched the house to kill him. Here's another psalm that David has written in his difficulty while he's running from something he never did wrong, from something that he should have been rewarded for, Saul rewarded him evil for it, and now David now is having his house watched. How would you, some of you men here, how would you feel if someone's watching your house? I tell you what I'd do, I'd be getting my guns out and getting them ready. Amen? Hallelujah. That's just me, though. <laughs> Psalms 59, verse 1. Deliver me from mine enemies, O my God. Defend me from them that rise up against me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity and save me from the bloody men. For lo, they lie in wait for my soul. The mighty are gathered against me, not for my transgression nor for my sin, O Lord. They run and prepare themselves without my fault. Awake to help me. And behold, O oh, dear friend, tonight, King David no longer could use his aggression and his uh, tenacity and his courage to fight this next giant. David had to learn, as someone who was a mighty man of valor, as a man who was ready to meet his enemy face to face, he was ready to hit this uh, challenge head on. He had to learn to fight differently. He couldn't use the strength that he was used to using. He couldn't use the same strength uh, that he defeated the bear with, that he defeated the lion with, that he defeated Goliath with. He had to use something different to defeat this Goliath. You know what he did? Lord help me. Lord help me. You know, my pride can't take much credit when I do that, though, can it? Amen. That's a good thing because we know that the Bible says pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a what? Sometimes when your strength is no longer strong, it's to grow you in, in your difficulty. No, I believe with all my heart that King, uh, not King David, but shepherd boy David trusted in God. He trusted in God to help him with the lion. He trusted in God to help him with the bear. He trusted in God to help him with Goliath. But now here's a different level. Here's a deeper level. Here's a level that takes time. See, with the bear, you kill him, he's dead. The lion, you kill him, he's dead. Goliath, you chop his head off, he's dead. David never killed this giant. Someone else had to. Let me, let me say this, and there's a lot of church members here tonight. I can say this from, from experience. I can say this as an example. God knows how to get a hold of those who are his men. And Saul was the anointed of God. And David was wise enough and smart enough to not lift his hand against God's anointed. But David still had a, a, a giant to fight. What's he going to do? What is he going to do now? This is what he did right here. Dear God, Amen. this is different. Right. Dear God, I don't understand this. Dear God, why is he pursuing me? Dear God, why is he chasing me? Dear God, I didn't do anything to deserve this. I'm a dead dog. I'm a flea. Dear God, I don't deserve the treatment that King Saul's giving me. And this is how David fought King Saul. And this is how David got victory. This is how David battled with God. He went on his knees to God and he said, Dear God, what can I do? Dear God, deliver me from mine enemies. Dear God, save my soul. You know, as a man... Someone comes at me, i want to come right back at him. But sometimes I can't do that. You know one of the stipulations on being a preacher? It says, not a brawler. Being the youngest of five kids, I had to grow up scrapping for everything. And I, I, I did walk uphill both ways to school, barefoot in the snow. On glass, I did, I did all that. If you don't know that, just ask my children, they'll tell you, amen? But we fought, I scrapped for everything. And if I got in a fight and I I couldn't do it on my own, I went and got my sister, amen? She was a bruiser. And I grew up, we had a BMW in the house, a big mean woman. And that was my sister, and she was a great, great help in my fights, and and I grew up fighting. But there's, let me tell you though, there are going to be some fights that you can't fight. You got to let God do it. One of the things that the Lord's reminded me recently just because you have an opinion doesn't mean you need to share it. Amen. You know how hard that is for a preacher? <laughs> Amen, Brother Bobby? Amen. Amen. And how about you other evangelists here? Amen. Hallelujah. You know how hard it is? When I disagree with someone, not to open my mouth and say, wait a minute here. God's been reminding me, ah, ah, it's not your fight. It's not your fight. It's not my fight. When my strength is no longer effective, it's because God doesn't want me to fight that way. Number four, we find this in Psalms 57. Psalms 57, if you'll just turn a page back or a chapter or two back. Psalms 57, verse 4. My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire. Even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me. Into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves, Selah. Verse 7, my heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed. Don't miss this. I will sing and give praise. Amen. You know, sometimes when God makes your strength no longer strong, it's to teach you how to praise God in your trial. Can I testify for a second here? When I'm struggling, that's not the time I want to sing victory in Jesus. But it is the time I need to sing victory in Jesus. It's not the time I want to say, Hallelujah, woo, yes! No. But what I need to do, instead of allowing my heart to lead me, I need to lead my heart. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. And it's desperately wicked. Then it goes on to say who can know it. So people who fooled me in the past, my heart has fooled me more. People who have manipulated me in the past, my heart is deceitful above them. And... I'm not trying to be mean here, but so is your heart. The Bible says who could know it. Oh, I know my heart. Mm -hmm. I know my heart's desperately wicked. I need to lead myself in praising God, just like King Shepherd Boy David before he was king, King David did. And I want to say this here. Sometimes when your strength is no longer strong, God wants you to learn how to praise God even when you're not feeling it. Look at verse 8. Awake up my glory, awake psaltery and heart. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. My daughters grew up uh, learning the piano, and they, I think they do well. Of course, I'm a, I'm a partial parent to that. I think they're wonderful, not biased at all. I will be honest with you and transparent here tonight. Many a times they'd be practicing a a, a song for church and they had no idea this was going on in my heart, but I'm struggling at this point, at this certain situation in, in my life years ago or a few years ago or last year or last week or yesterday or 10 minutes ago or whatever. And they'd start playing a song and they didn't know it, but God knew it. And it was the exact song that I needed. Amen. And they start playing it. Was it perfect? No, they were playing it. And then my heart started softening. And the tear would start coming down my eye. And I'd say, dear God, thank you. God, you're so good to me. I don't understand why, God, this is happening in my life. Dear God, I don't understand why the difficulties in my life. Dear God, I don't think I've done anything to deserve the treatment that it's being given to me. But dear God, I know that you're good. And dear God, I know that you love me. And dear God, I know that you're always good and your plan's always right and your providence is always perfect. I feel bad for people who get better. They don't trust. There's something... Special when a Christian goes through a difficulty in their life and God wants to grow their faith and he wants them to grow deeper with God. And instead of turning to God, they turn away. Instead of becoming soft, they become hard. Instead of becoming tender toward the Lord, they become bitter. Sometimes when my strength becomes no longer strong, it's to teach me how to praise in my trial. i got to hurry. Number five. We see it in Psalm 59. Psalm 59. Look at verse nine. Psalm 59, verse nine. "Because of his strength, will I wait upon thee, for God is my defense." Notice again, Psalm 57 and 59 are the psalms that David wrote while he was being pursued by King Saul. Look at verse 16. But I will sing of thy power, yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. For thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing. For God is my defense and the God of my mercy. When my strength is no longer strong, it's to teach me that your strength really is in God. David didn't need defense when he attacked the lion for taking the sheep. David didn't need defense when he attacked the bear, when, he, when the bear stole a sheep. David didn't need defense from uh, Goliath when he slain the stone, but he needed defense from God when he was running from King Saul. It was a different battle. And David needed different strength to fight at number six. It's to fix maybe some flaws in your life. Really, we'd have to go to 1 Samuel chapter 29 and 30. We're not going to go there for sake of time. But it's the time in David's life where he was not making good decisions. He was joining himself up with the king of the Philistines. King Achish. And he was trying to be the king's guard, he and his men, for the king of the Philistines. And what he did there, he's going there, and the lords of the Philistines said, ho, 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 isn't this the guy who the people said Saul slain his thousands, but David is tens of thousands? Don't you think that one of the ways he can get reconciled back to his king is by killing you, king? And he tells David, King Achish tells David, look, I trust you, you've done nothing wrong, but the lords don't like it, you're going to have to go. You know, this is the same battle that King Saul was killed and his son Jonathan. God in his mercy spared David from making a tragic mistake. Could you even imagine if David was on the other side of the battlefield when Israel's king was killed? When his best friend Jonathan was killed? I praise God for his mercy. None of us are deserving of it. Number seven, I'm almost done. We see it in First Samuel twenty two. First Samuel twenty two. First Samuel twenty two, we'll look at the first four verses. <clears throat> First Samuel 22, look at verse 1. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. Notice here, David did nothing to bring them to him God brought those men to him. When your strength is no longer strong, God will send the right people across your path to help you. Don't you be the type of person that says, I don't need no charity. I don't accept no charity. I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but in the seven years we've been in Alabama, we've tried to help some people, and they were like, People in need, we are fine. Okay, we're just trying to help. You know, whoever your pastor is, most likely most of you, for the Bobby, some of you, me, I'm your pastor, some of you. God's going to send some people along your path to help you. Let them you might be surprised who God raises up to be a blessing to you. If David was strong, he wouldn't need any help, would he? Nobody needed some help. Look at verse 3. And David went thence to Mizpah of Moab, and he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. I love how David was still protecting his family even from the possibility of Saul's anger being taken out on him. My last point and I'm pretty much done right here. When your strength is no longer strong it is to prepare you for the next level of God's will. David had no idea what was necessary for him to learn how to become the next king. And for David, the training ground for him being the next king took about 15 years. About, give or take, 15 years. You know, when uh, Joseph was sold into slavery, he was 17. It wasn't until the age of 30 that he was raised up to be the governor over Egypt. 13 long years. But just like for both of them, that weight was worth it. It made David a better man. It made him a better king. He learned a lot when he lost his strength. I don't know who this is for tonight. This may not be for anyone except for me. But I want to encourage you here. When God weakens that which has been strong, Trust him. Amen. Trust God. He's worthy of our trust. Yes. God's providence is always right. Yes. David learned great lessons lessons on leading others when he was on the run from Saul. He also learned how a bad king leads. And if nothing else, what you can learn in your weakness is how not to do something. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, I need you.